0: Giving go. I like the giving
1: go. I like the giving go. Welcome to the Give and Go podcast. and I am your host, Kelton Brooks, and I'm here to give you these straight facts and opinions, and you just have to go with it. Let's get straight to the boo-boo bowl. This the boo-boo bowl is the Houston Texans versus the Oakland Raiders for the AFC wildcard matchup Saturday. And that is Brock Osweiler versus Connor Cook Because as we all know, you know, Derek Carr broke his fibula at the end of the season But before I get to the Raiders quarterback situation I just want to go back on Brock Osweiler Because, you know, I feel like I've been picking on Osweiler But um, I'm starting to feel bad for him But more for the Texans How disheartening and embarrassing Does it have to be for the franchise to have to publicly announce That your $72 million quarterback will start That he will, like we had They had Not we, because I'm not associated with their boo-boo team They had to announce That their starting quarterback who they paid In the offseason $72 million on a four-year contract had to publicly announce that he will start in the franchise's sixth playoff game that hurts I feel bad I feel really bad for him I really do but you know what I really shouldn't because I remember a tweet from Fox Sports senior NFL writer Peter Schroger and he said on March 22nd of 2016 this is what he tweeted Bill O'Brien says the first time he ever actually met Osweiler was when he first walked in the building for the introductory press conference. $72 million for a man you did not meet until after you gave him $72 million. And now you had to publicly announce that he will start in the franchise's sixth playoff game. But let me make this point, because I don't think people realize that Brock Osweiler is in his fifth season in the NFL, and he has only played in 36 games. So it's virtually still in the beginning stages of of his career, even though he's in his fifth season. But what we have seen in these 36 games is that he's not a good quarterback, and this plain is simple. But that's what we have Saturday. We have Brock Osweiler versus Connor Cook. Let me talk about Connor Cook for a while, because I'm going to tell you how wrong I was about Connor Cook going into this year's draft well, this past draft, I said the top two quarterbacks were going to be Christian Hackenberg from Penn State. I love his arm coming out of Penn State. He was a flamethrower. You know, a hell of an arm. And Connor Cook coming out of Michigan State. I remember that game when he went head to head with Mariota when it was at Oregon. That epic Oregon and uh, Michigan State game and I thought Connor Cook basically solidified himself as one of the top quarterbacks coming out um, in the draft. And um, Hackenberg cannot touch the field. Um, He's apparently been well reportedly been horrible in practice and Connor Cook is behind an MVP candidate in Derek Carr of course who is basically out for the season but I think I would still take Connor Cook over Brock Osweiler because the biggest thing of the Raiders success this year has been their offensive line they arguably have well they they have the second best offensive line in the NFL behind the Cowboys of course so that gives them a chance to be able to succeed, but it's just the fact that they are going against a dominant Texans defense and it's just kinda of hard to trust a rookie in the playoffs against the Texans defense. But you still don't I, I still don't feel too sure about that because the opposing team's quarterback is Brock Osweiler. So we might be in for a three to three, six to three game with like two minutes left in the fourth quarter, we're just all hoping that somebody wins it on a fluky safety just to put ourselves out of misery because, gosh, Saturday's gonna be the boo boo boo. And wait, 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 I did not know. Brock Osweiler was a second round pick, and of course, knew that Connor Cook was a fourth round pick, so Brock Osweiler should have the advantage, but seriously, do you really feel comfortable picking the Texans over the Raiders with Brock Osweiler as your quarterback? Because I really do feel sorry for the Raiders, man. I, I honestly felt before Derek Carr was injured, I felt they were the, the most dangerous team to knock off the Patriots over the Steelers. I, I just thought the Raiders was that good. I thought this was this was the Raiders' year to to show that they are back, that the black hole is back. And Derek Carr went down with injury. But again, the AFC wildcard matchup, Houston Texans, Oakland Raiders, Brock Osweiler, Connor Cook, boo boo bo.
0: I like to give and go.
1: Again, you're listening to the Give and Go podcast, and I am your host, Kelton Brooks. Sticking with the football subject, we're going to drop down to the college ranks so we can discuss the college football championship between number one ranked Alabama and number two Clemson, which is a rematch of last year's um, title game. Of course, Alabama came out on top. Um, to talk about this more, I'm going to bring in my man Terrence Smith. Who is a news content specialist for WMC Action News Five out of Memphis, Tennessee, and a former sports reporter for the Southern Advocate? My man Tans, how's it going, man? I'm doing good. How about you, Steph? Doing I'm pretty good. Doing pretty good. Like I said, man. Of course, we're gonna discuss this college football. Um, we got the championships coming up, of course, Monday. But I'm um, still probably on the tail end of Lane Kiffin leaving, of course, to go about his um, head coaching duties at, at, at Florida International. But um. As SEC guys, man, we've seen Saban throughout our years at LSU and Alabama. Of course, you know he, he Michigan State's not in our territory, but what do you feel like was probably the pushing point? You know, you know that, that breaking point to finally get Lane out of here. Uh, I mean, we have to keep in mind
0: Lane Kiffin is, is Lane Kiffin. Uh, we've seen it time and time again from uh, his, his troubles with, with Oakland, which that may have not been all him. Uh, we've seen we've seen him at Tennessee and. You know, he was, he was so gracious to be home, according to him, at Tennessee. As soon as USC came over, you know, he, he, he left them. I think Nick Saban really probably felt like this is a distraction, and maybe he felt like the planning of the game wasn't going to, according to uh, the way Saban typically likes it. Because we all know that Saban is a, a real creature of habit. You know, he doesn't like to break men many habit, And I think he felt that um, maybe Lane Kiffin was a distraction, and maybe Lane Kiffin just wasn't as concerned as he should have been. Surprised surprise it didn't happen sooner. When I heard the news kind of came that when he came down and he, you know, he was moving on, I figured they would have just let
1: him go away at that point. But uh, you know, I'm, I'm just surprised it didn't happen sooner. So, do you think there would be some sort of a, a, you know, offensive philosophy change with with Starkey's and Stephanie in? I mean, would it be really much different than I, already I mean, then? Hey man, saving <laughs> saving is a dictator. There, there, there won't be much change. You call it. <laughs>
0: He doesn't want the offense to lose the game. Yeah, I think he feels like his defense can, will win them the championship. Maybe not be the case against Clemson. They, they will have a core point. But, uh, yeah, you either call it savings well or you don't call it. And I think a part of that with Lane Kiffin was maybe saving wasn't as happy with the, with the play calling during that game also. And maybe he felt that was a distraction.
1: Okay. So, of course, we know Alabama came on top last year over Clemson in this harder game. So So, who do you have, you know?
0: this rematch I think after uh, last year especially in today's world where things are so quickly and easily forgotten people forget how good of a game that was last year um, so I'm glad we get that rematch I'm going to go with Alabama just because it's Alabama like who, who actually picks against Alabama in a, in a uh, big game scenario um, but man I would not be surprised at all if Clemson won about late year though I wouldn't be surprised at all I wouldn't be surprised if Clemson won about by 10 by 10 I'm going to go with Alabama just, just for the sake of that defense
1: So before switching over to the next subject, um, with Deshaun Watson, I know he he put up big numbers on Alabama. You know, of course Alabama always struggles with those spread type, you know, of, of offensive They're teams. Right. But the quarterbacks, most certainly. Right. But uh, I think lately they've um been able to cater their defense towards it. They're a lot fast, more athletic than they have been in the past instead of just brute force and mm-hmm. strength. So, um do you think Deshaun Watson can come in and have that same success um against Alabama like he like he did last year, this year in this game? Well, I, I think
0: we've seen this throughout sports. I think we've seen times where I think the best example would be um, the New York Giants. And I hate to, hate to switch it to pro football, but when they played against uh, New England and the last game was the regular season. Now, of course, they lost that game, but it, it gave them the confidence to say, hey, we can beat these guys if we play them again. And I think uh, Deshaun Watson and Alvin Clemson uh, together as a unit, uh, they might think that, hey, you know, we, we took them to the wire. We were literally a play away. And I think
1: that they think that, you know, they can beat him this year. So just with that alone, I think Deshaun Watson has to have the utmost confidence, especially with the way they uh, trounced Ohio State. Uh, I think that they have to have the utmost confidence, just with the, uh, the game from last year. I guess how do you see, I know I said this my last one, but again with Deshaun Watson, how do you see him transitioning to the NFL? You think he's a capable starter uh, in the league? Well, I, I think it needs to be noted that, uh most of these guys that come out, they have uh, excellent talent. So you don't have excellent talent if you don't get
0: to that level. Otherwise, I'd be there. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I think most of these guys have great talent. It, it depends on the fit and who's willing to, um, uh, call to make their, their system around this particular guy. So if you're going to take Deshaun Watson with a high pick, you have to be willing to uh, suit that guy's talent as it, as it uh, pertains to the game calling and then the uh, strategy. And I'm saying that to say, it depends on where it goes, man. I, I, I hate for anybody that goes to Cleveland, <laughs> you know, honestly. Um, and it looks like it'll be the Denver, San Francisco, depending on, you know, how the chips fall. But um, it just depends on who, who wants to tailor their, you know, their, their strategy and game planning around that particular guy. Hopefully he goes to a team that will do that. But I think Deshaun Watson has a talent that he can he can thrive in the NFL. And of course, it depends on the system and the players around you as well. But I
1: just think that we we put the failure on from the athletes too much when it's not always their fault, unless it's Mark Sanchez. Right, unless it's Mark Fan- Sanchez, right? There was their Buffalo the thing. Unless it's Mark
0: Sanchez
1: or, or Brock put it in the way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Don't get me started by Brock Osweiler. But, <laughs> but switching over to the NBA, um, really quickly, I know. Of course, have you seen the recent um NBA polls for the All Star game? You said they had Lazzat Pachulia. He was number two in the West. <laughs> and of course you know we have the whole fan uh, voting uh, who's number two in the way Zaza Zaza Batuya is number two <laughs> <laughs> as far as um, fan vote but I think this year is different I think it is um, 50% is fan voting and the other half is you know media and, and other members as well voting but how do you think this should go I mean should we continue at all with the fan voting Well, you have Zaza and even D-Wade I don't think D-Wade deserves to be an all-star this year uh, I agree with that um, I, I've had a problem with the fan voting for quite a while
0: I think it needs to be less than 50%, 25% maybe. <laughs> or maybe just give the, give the fans the opportunity to put one or two guys in, but no more than that. Like, let's say you leave a roster spot open for a fan. I think they've they done something like that one year. Uh, leave a fan vote for one. That may, may have been MLB, uh, but you leave a, a, a roster spot open for just one fan vote, and you number it between, you get a list of snubs, and you let the fans vote on that one particular snub that gets to go in. Other than that, I don't see any point of making it, because we all, we all know that everybody is, doesn't really have the knowledge of, of who should get in and who doesn't go, do, who, who shouldn't get in. But I, I think that the fan vote needs to be less than 50%. And they might be going to that. Maybe this is an
1: experiment. But if Zaza Pachulia is, is number two, I think I should have gotten a vote somewhere in there. I need to go check that. Right. Because either way, if even if it's fan voting or the media, you know they're out picking someone as well, someone's going to get snubbed. Someone's going to be upset about it. No, of
0: course, it. yeah. There's no way to
1: get everybody in. All right. So there's one to think about that. Like yeah, I said, e- either yeah, way. But I think To keep the fans involved, you can give them one opportunity to put one player in, and that keeps
0: that keeps the fans interested. And that lets you know that they're paying attention. You know that, that they actually want to see the game if they have this one guy they want to get in. But no, it shouldn't be a point to where the fans decide. I, I remember one year, I think Tina Hardaway didn't play the whole year, and got voted into the, uh, the All-Star Game. I was like, wait a minute, how does, how does this happen? It is, it is, he's not even, even eligible, right. but,
1: you know, it happens that way. Now, I don't have a problem with it. Uh, let's say, like, Kobe was going out last year. You know, you, even I don't, I don't think he – did he play an All-Star Game? I can't remember this. Oh, That's no. He, back my mind. Yeah, you know, I, think, I believe Kobe, he was voted, but he, he, he backed himself out of it. That's right, but I don't have a problem with him being voted in if his –
0: you know somebody like that that's going out? You get a in one last time. I don't have an issue with that. Right. Uh, but as far as somebody like Zav's opportunity getting a lot of votes, I'm assuming, assuming because of where he's from, maybe people from where he's from are just voting from. Like I know Yamin used to get a, an incredible amount of votes, right. yeah, Because you know yeah, he has the China fan base behind him. Understandable. They're fans too, and they watch and they put a lot of money into the game. But at the same time, I
1: mean, let's be realistic about it. Hey, I hear you on that. So I guess halfway. Um, why well, I wouldn't say halfway, but I know we are close, like I said, close to the um, all-star voting, so we are halfway into the season. So what's probably your, your most um, surprising team to you this season? Uh, the
0: Milwaukee Bucks. but maybe a year or two, um, you know, we might be looking at a pretty good team. On the flip side of that, there there's several big surprises in the East, and I'm saying that because they've all let me down. Right. <laughs> like I think the last time you and I talked, we were talking about all the free agent moves. And surprising
1: to say, and this is not saying a whole lot, but the Knicks look better than the Pacers. <laughs> they look they, better they, than the uh, Right, right, but um, but, but in a seven game series, would you really trust the Knicks over the Pacers? I think I would still pick the Pacers over the Knicks just because I'm a huge. I, I feel like I'm a, I'm a big fan in Paul George. I really feel like he's probably the top four, top five small uh, forward in this league. So that's my man, thing on Pacers. You remember? Um, or they met in the in the semifinals, uh, in the quarterfinals I guess, uh a few years ago. Well, like four years ago now, I guess. Right when they played Miami. That, that, that series went six, seven games, right? Right.
0: away but man you know you were thinking the east one of those teams would have just clicked and would have been uh a bonafide fide number two or number three but no
1: nobody wants to nobody wants to play cleveland and <laughs> uh <laughs> all right so, so you know you know what speaking of new talent i want to go back to what you said about the bucks um i've seen a lot of people they've been slowly i'm not even gonna say slowly anymore but they have been quickly piling in on the um giannis i'm not gonna pronounce his last name but the, i i, to, I can't believe it yeah, yeah, we're not going to try to. That. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm glad Greek to. Freak. I'm glad to stop. Yeah, Greek freak, freaky deaky. So, a lot of people are saying he. They feel like he's probably the, the second, or third best player in the East. Would you already give him that over over Kyrie? I feel like after LeBron, it's, it's Kyrie. Um, it's, in the East, in, in the East, in the East. So who'd you put after LeBron? I got you. You know
0: what? I'm going to give him the second one. Uh, really? The same reason why I'm going to. Yeah, I'm going to give give him that because. LeBron, but man, he's close. And I don't—I maybe I just hadn't watched him enough before this season. But like last night, he's the Knicks.
1: You can't pick LeBron. You'll start off with Giannis. Yes, i am not picking hmm. If LeBron's not on the table, it's just all the guys in the East. I'm taking,
0: uh, I'm taking Creek Freak, all Cal
1: Wow, I don't know if I can go there yet, but <laughs> so, like I said, ha- halfway point of the season. And it who- is it, on athleticism
0: and potential. I'll say that. Okay. Athleticism and potential.
1: Okay. So, so who's your pick for MVP right now? Uh, Westbrook.
0: I, I, hmm. And I gave that very little. but right
1: now it's got to be Westwood right. Okay. yeah he, of course and he is. I, I, I believe is around 30 of course he's averaging over, over 10 rebounds and then right at 9 assists so he's basically averaging a triple double in, in, in today's NBA that's right, that's
0: right. yeah and I, I think the last time we spoke I think I mentioned something like him at get averaging closer I don't think he'll finish the season average
1: Again, you're listening to the Give and Go podcast with Kelton Brooks. I have Terrence Smith on the phone. The former sports reporter with the Southern Advocate and WMC Action News. Out of course, Memphis, Tennessee is the hometown, the hometown. So I, I, I want to go back to, of course, again, sticking with the NBA. I know um Charles Barkley, he, he's critical of, of literally everything when it comes to today's NBA, of course, with the analytics. And the three, the volume of the three-point shooting, just the pace of the game. Um, do you feel like this era of, of basketball is, is, is here to stay, or do we still see more um, improvement and, and I guess, a, a, an advance in the game? Uh, Charles just has, has to realize that the game has
0: changed. Uh, I mean, even your big man now—you you, you can not really name the many good big men that are post players, and that's because of one. There's just NBA's rules benefit wing players and shooters. That's just the way it goes. It's not that dominant big big man play now anymore. And, I mean, even Golden State, they lost the the championship on a contested three-point shot. You know, it's not like they lost it because they got killed in the paint. I mean, maybe there was a a slight differential, of course, but there's always a differential. But um, they got beat by a contested three-point shot. That's just the name of the game now. Just have to get with it. Now, of course, you have to have some inside play. You can't just go out there and and, and like Phoenix Suns away way to a championship.
1: Right.
0: But um, <laughs> but you, you, I mean, you have to have some inside play. I think Golden State lacks that a good bit this season. Because um, I, I wouldn't depend on Kevin Durant being my post play. That's just not going to work. No, that's not going to work. Uh, yeah, that's not going to work. But I think that um, I think that yeah. I mean, you just have to realize that that's the did that last year. And they almost—they tried to go down as the best, best single-season team in history. They, they, you know, they were shot away, and that's just the name of the game. And, and GMs are probably want to start building their teams like that. It's just—I mean, I mean, everybody doesn't have a step curve in the Clay Thompson. That's just kind of the look of the draft,
1: I guess. But uh, it's, I mean, it's, it's today's NBA. Okay, so just sticking with that, I feel like um, I asked you this at the beginning of the season. So, are you still sticking with your Warriors pick to um, win the finals?
0: Kevin Durant on a new team, it's just going to take a minute to jail the way you want it to. So there's no chance in them, of course, breaking last season's record. I was wrong about that. But um, I think by playoff time, we'll be talking about them being head and shoulders better than everybody else. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, home court advantage might matter. I don't know why it matters in basketball, but for some reason it does. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think that by playoff time, we will be talking about Golden State be head of show and shoulders better than everybody, but there's always that that black and silver team out in San Antonio that, for some reason, always fly under the radar because they're always ready to come play outside. So, and there's no uh, Oklahoma City to put them out this year either. Exactly. Unless Westbrook, you know, does crazy stuff. Right. Just,
1: but Westbrook and No. Durant in the playoff series? Nah, I'm not too thrilled about that. Yeah, I can say if if Oklahoma City and the Golden State would somehow uh, meet up this this postseason, the Warriors in five. Well, again, you've been um, listening to the voice of, of Terrence Smith, man. I appreciate you for coming on again.
0: Oh, man, I appreciate you, man. Anytime, man. Anytime. Just give me a call, and
1: I'll be ready. All right. Take it easy. All right, man. We'll talk later. I like to give me Thank you again to my man Terrence Smith for joining the show. Now, I've seen and heard so many people hop on the Giannis bandwagon, and I, I just can't right now. Now, I'm not knocking his talent. He really is just a gifted specimen in this year's NBA and his ability to impact the game on so many levels. So when he hit that game winning shot on New York, he literally stepped back from the block of the free throw line and faded all the way back to nearly the top of the key. There really was a step back from the head like my man Terrence said. So the, the kid is just extremely gifted and he just turned 22. But I still feel like the top two players in the East is LeBron one and Kyrie two. Like what what Kyrie can do is just the fact that on even on any given night, no matter who is on Kyrie's team, no matter who is Kyrie's opponent, no matter who is guarding Kyrie, he can become the best player on the floor at any given time. I feel like the best compliment I've ever heard about Kyrie. Uh, from a gentleman who used to play um, basketball uh, for the University of Mississippi, which is also Ole Miss. He said Kyrie Irving is basically Allen Iverson under control. Agree or disagree, I don't know. I just know that's a fant- fantastic compliment and I agree because I just love how that sounds. I think Kyrie Irving is the second best player um, in the East and he can easily be the best player in the NBA on any given night or any given time. I
0: like to me to go.
1: This is the Give and Go Podcast with Kelton Brooks. Thank you again for Terrence Smith for joining the show. You have heard what we had to give you today, so now it's time for me to go.